Hello and welcome to the webinar on project management tools and techniques. Today's discussion topics are on project management methodologies. So we'll be going through at a very high level different project management methodologies. Some of them you may be aware, some of them you may be hearing for the first time. We'll also talk about some of the project management techniques. After that, we are going to also take a few examples of tools and technologies and most importantly, how to choose a right tool. Because I have seen people might have confusion around choosing a right tool since there are lots of options that are available to choose a right tool out of. And then to end with, we'll also take a look at some of the project management tools that are available in the market, which we can use on the actual project when you start applying the project management knowledge techniques, which tools we can actually use from the market is what we'll also take as an example. So we'll get started with understanding a bit about methodologies. And I'm sure you'll agree that if you see any methodology, what is it? Methodology is nothing but it comprises of the various practices, different techniques, procedures. There are certain rules around that we need to implement. So you may have come across various methodologies. So we have seen methodologies within project management as well. So for example, Six Sigma, if you take as a methodology, so under Six Sigma, we have got TMAIC as project phases, and we are going to talk about Six Sigma as one of the methodologies. So we'll, of course, understand within that method, what are the different practices that we have to follow when we take Six Sigma projects like Six Sigma Green Belt or Black Belt or Master Black Belt. You actually apply Six Sigma methodology by undertaking various projects. So there are certain practices that we implement by applying the methodology. Certain techniques we need to also follow when we apply some of these methodologies. So we'll talk about some of those techniques. So when we do estimation, for example, in project estimation, we follow certain techniques of estimation so that we can arrive at the right estimation. We follow certain procedures. For example, if you have to just conduct a meeting, we ensure that we follow certain procedures so that we get right stakeholders for the meeting and we facilitate the meeting effectively. So there are certain procedures that we follow so that we achieve the end objective for which that meeting or that facilitated group workshop is scheduled. And we have to follow certain rules. Obviously, when you are conducting meeting, you have to follow certain rules. Now, these are some of the smaller examples. But while working on bigger projects, you may be facing some big challenges. And for that, you will have to effectively use some of these practices, tools, techniques, procedures and rules so as to be successful on achieving the project objectives. Let's talk about some of the benefits of the project management methodologies. Certainly, one of the benefit is about work authorization. You may be using certain tools currently while working on project, maybe MS projects, or for that matter, we use certain tools like there is Workbench is another one, or for that matter, there is tool by CA by the name Clarity. So some of these tools are really useful in creating the work authorization systems. So once we identify the project scope, then we break down that scope into activities and tasks, and then we assign those tasks to different employees or associates. And that's how we get into the work authorization process. So methodologies actually helps in having a very formal way of authorizing work to the employees, to the associate, to the team members who are working on the project. And by using tool, it certainly makes it that much easier to manage, to pull the reports, to understand the overall progress of the tasks that the employees are working on, etc. So work authorization system is certainly one of the important aspects in the project management. Another thing is, of course, project planning. When you do the project work, you will have to do the project planning. In fact, planning is one of the most important phases or aspect of the project. So again, for that, we use certain tools in order to capture the plan and also check how are we progressing against the plan. So hence, plan is also important so that once we have a plan in place, then we can monitor and control that plan effectively. For that also, the tools that I just now mentioned could also be used to create the project planning. Designing work breakdown structure. As I just mentioned some times ago, once we identify scope for a project, we break that down into different activities and tasks and we create work breakdown structure that could be based on phases of the project that could be based on the even if it is a product, then you could actually divide it based on various component of the product. So work breakdown structure could be created through different ways. It could be represented in different ways as well. 
And that certainly helps us in identifying the work and only the work that needs to be performed on project. So whatever is not there as a part of work breakdown structure is not performed on the project. It's as simple as that. So that's the simple rule that we follow. Schedule planning is another important activity that we do. So methodologies actually helps us in approaching the schedule planning activities properly. If there is no methodology, it will be very difficult for us to sequence the activities properly, create the network diagram, calculate the total duration that is required and determine the schedule of the project. So all these things would be possible only when we apply the project management methodologies. And next is financial planning. So we'll be able to come up with the financial plan effectively. So financial planning will also be involved your budgeting aspects of the project. Apart from that, how are we going to release funds on the project? So you also plan for releasing funds at different milestones of the project. So those aspects are also covered as a part of financial planning. Let's talk about some of these methodologies which will help you in performing the key activities which we just covered as a part of the project. There are so many of them. As you can see on the slide, we have few traditional ones. Of course, we have PMI. I wouldn't call it as a methodology, definitely, but we'll talk about PMI as well as PRINCE2. There are quite a few under Agile. Agile itself is an umbrella of methodologies. So as you can see here, we have Agile, Scrum, Kanban, Extreme Programming, we also have adaptive project frameworks. Then we have change management. So starting with how do we deal with different events as well as how do we go about the extreme program managing. At the same time, there are certain processes and I'm sure you must have heard about and you may have worked on some of these already. Like we have Lean Six Sigma and we have Lean Six Sigma as well together. And we also have methodologies like Prism, which is definitely a bit different than the other methodologies over here. And under traditional, we have waterfall. Those who have worked in IT projects, I'm sure for them it's very easy to relate to the waterfall methodology. We also have program evaluation and review techniques. And there is also a critical path method, critical chain method, etc. So there are quite a few of them. We'll not be able to, of course, reach to the depth of all these methodologies because these are very, very elaborative, extensive methods. And there are sessions which are like four days program just on, you know, PIMBOK, for example. Similarly, PRINCE2 also, there is two days and three day sessions, etc. So what we'll do in today's session, we'll just touch upon them. We'll just go through at a very high level about these methods. And in our project management program, the PMP program, we definitely spend a lot of time in understanding some of these methods bit in more details. That's also because that's the expectation of the exam. So let's get started with this. So this is the kind of flow that we'll be covering these methodologies with. We'll start with traditional ones. We'll cover about the PMI one. Then we'll talk about agile methodologies. We'll move on to the change management methods and then process based methods like Lean and Six Sigma. And then we'll close it with covering Prism and some of the other methods that we mentioned. So let's get started with the first one, which is the waterfall one. I hope by now, whatever we've covered, you must have got a fair idea about what are we trying to do in this webinar. So let's start talking about the waterfall methodology. Under traditional methods, once you know the traditional methods, you would be able to in a position then to understand how projects used to happen. And it's not like waterfall is never followed now. It is followed for some of the projects, but largely we have moved on to agile way of working. But if we know how waterfall way of working used to happen, or if you happen to be a part of some of these methodologies, I'm sure it will be easy for you then to relate to why did we change? What were the pros and cons? And we'll cover those as well as a part of this training program. So starting with the waterfall one. So as you know, waterfall methodology was typically, it's a phased approach. So starting with requirements, that's where we used to gather all the requirements upfront for the project. Whichever the project that you are working on, we used to spend good amount of time in gathering requirements and we used to freeze the scope. So there used to be a sign of process. And once the scope is frozen, then obviously we can't really accept any more changes. And once we are sure about the scope of the project, then we used to start working on design related aspects. And that design would include your low level design, your high level design. Again, we used to take approvals from the customer on designs as well. Under implementation, typically we used to do a bit of a stress testing related thing and identify if there are any errors so that we can go back and see whether whatever we are working on, is it going to meet clients requirements or not? 
So there was something called as traceability as well, which was very important. We used to kind of establish a traceability right from the point we identify requirements for the project till the point we implement those. So as a part of testing, we used to also do that under implementation. Verification typically involved again, as the name itself says, this was another final round of testing. And this was certainly done very systematically. Whatever the defects, whatever the bugs that were identified were fixed. And that's how we used to enhance the product from the quality point of view. And once we do that, then obviously we put the product into production. We implement that product and then we start supporting that product. So typically what used to happen as a part of the waterfall, we start with requirement analysis. We do design. We do verification. Implementation will start a bit later once the verification is done and then the maintenance will start. So maintenance is all about supporting that application or supporting that product once it is delivered. So to summarize, waterfall projects used to happen in a very phased manner and each phase would have its entry and exit criteria. And there used to be milestones and that's how we used to come to know about whether that phase has been completed or not. For example, by the end of requirement analysis phase, we used to get requirement specification document signed off by the customer. Similarly, by the end of design phase, we used to get low level and high level design documents signed by the customers. Test strategy, again, test approach. So, so many such artifacts needs to be signed off by the customers. And that's how we used to move from one phase to other phase. And as you can see, there wasn't much of a feedback loops. You can't come back you know, once you move ahead in a phase. So that was one of the disadvantage. So let's quickly talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages, pros and cons of waterfall. Definitely it was uh, simple and easy. And from the executive and management point of view, I would say there was certainly an advantage with respect to the way we used to show progress because it was phased because we used to complete requirements upfront. We used to get design right based on the requirement architecture right based on requirements. So from the management point of view, it was definitely a bit uh, better. We used to spend a lot of time on gathering requirements definitely over here and that's how there used to be at least better control on mine you know from the point of view of the overall thinking that yes we do have a better control on the project in reality things used to be different because sometimes even though we feel that we gathered all requirements but that uh, was not the case because we used to get a lot of changes as well later so hence this was good for the short-term projects few cons could be requirements needs are upfront and frozen so once the requirements are frozen obviously there wasn't much of a flexibility in terms of adding any new requirement once the requirement phases is done and you move into design and if you identify defects or if you identify any change during the verification stage it was really difficult to come back all the way to design make changes and then make changes into built or you know sort of that and it was certainly getting very very difficult as a result of that so until you reach out to the maintenance phase, it was very difficult to solve problems because as there were very less number of feedback loops. So PERT is again, as I mentioned, it's a program evaluation review technique. This was first used in 1957 by the US Navy and uh, they used this technique specifically for the US submarine missiles. So there was a US submarine missile program and that's where they used this technique for the first time. Now this particular technique definitely takes into consideration the probabilities and therefore you will find when you use per technique you take into consideration the worst case scenario the best case scenarios and the most likely scenarios and that's how you estimate the project duration the activity duration the task duration so all that put together it certainly helps in sort of arriving at how long could that project take we kind of arrange these activities in a particular flow and through this we actually visualize the end-to-end -end flow of the activities by using the Perth technique and we would then be able to also work on some of the activities concurrently and we would know that which activities have dependencies. So all that really was very very useful in input to visualize it. So visualization always helps. We would also visualize the end of the project and come up with the total duration that is required to complete the project. So the formula that was used was uh, what is the optimistic estimation for the project or the activity four into most likely estimation plus the pessimistic estimation and this whole thing was divided by six and that's how we used to get the number for the project or for that activity which you are estimating. So another advantage of the PERT was a lot of focus was there on achieving the milestones. 
So all the employees or the team members used to focus on their respective tasks so that they can complete those tasks within the given time and achieve the milestone. So this was definitely the technique where a lot of focus was there on achieving the end results within the given timelines. In terms of pros, this was certainly better activity analysis because all the activities we used to put together create a nice flow. So visualization is very, very high. Coordination amongst the team members from various departments was very effective. So I would say this method was really good to ensure the proper collaboration and coordination amongst the team members from various functions and the departments. And we used to also sort of identify risk by doing the what if analysis. So if a particular activity wouldn't take place, how would that affect the succeeding activity? So there was a lot of what if analysis and that used to help in identifying risk on the project as well. Few cons again a lot of subjective analysis uh, used to happen because we had to come up with the estimations most likely and pessimistic and then the optimistic so that number used to change the moment person changes so that subjective analysis was there it was definitely a lot of focus on time a lot of focus also on achieving the milestone within the given timelines so that could be sometimes con because then you might compromise the quality if there is a lot of focus on the con a lot of focus on time so it was resource intensive because objective was to complete that task or activity within timeline if required put more resources and get things done so that was another con of put methodology let's move to the cpm so which is the critical part methodology so this essentially talks about again creating a flow of activities wherein we actually put together the start date and the end date and that's how we come to know how long would that activity take to complete and then we also calculate or, or we used to identify the critical path and what are the activities that are on the critical path so the example could be so you could actually put your project into the critical path activities by creating such a network diagram so you would know that which is your critical path and where there is fluid so all these things are going to be discussed as a part of this training as we proceed because there could be questions for example if you are giving pmp exam there could be questions around how to calculate critical path so we are going to discuss some of these uh, examples of uh, critical path as well as the uh, critical chain method which we're going to talk uh, very soon but critical path methodology used to really be very helpful in identifying the bottlenecks identifying the critical activities that are to be performed as well as this used to be very useful in taking decisions like project fast tracking and crashing and then if I have to fast track the project I would know which are those activities which I can start parallelly wherever I would know that two activities can be performed at the same time concurrently or if I have to crash the project then how can I put more resources on the project and ensure that the project duration is crashed or project is achieved in the given timelines so pros could be definitely it was very useful in doing the scheduling activities as well as prioritization because I would know which are those critical activities so I can easily prioritize those activities put more resources or do some of those activities in parallel and this was also very useful from calculating the total duration that is required so minimum time that is required to complete the project and the way critical path calculations are done this involves a lot of people again from various functions so there was better coordination while working on the critical path definitely there are certain cons like you need the experience so if you don't have experience in scheduling you will not be able to do things quickly there is a bit of a inflexibility because if you are creating the critical path flow the network diagram there are few things that those can't be really moved because once they are a part of the critical path you have to perform it in the same sequence managing the critical path was certainly difficult the reason was especially if you are working on a complex project now imagine you are working on a project for nasa and if you have to create a critical path for such a complex project then it was really difficult to manage overall that whole project by putting it into the critical path and obviously what will happen as a result of that designing that whole activity would also become very very time consuming the another method in line with that was also critical chain project management so once the critical path is created the another thing was then to take into consideration the resources and in critical chain method what used to happen was that there is to be a buffer placed so project buffer of seven days and there used to be like feeder buffer that used to be put up taken into consideration some of the resource constraints so resource adjusted critical path is what we used to you know create and that's what your critical chain project management is all about this is not very popularly used these days but from pmp exam point of view yes we need to know about the critical chain project management 
and this is done backward so we used to first create the end goal on mind and from there we used to start working backward from the end goal as you can see on the screen so we have got a end goal in mind and then we put the project buffers those project buffers used to take to consideration if there are any resource constraints or due to any reasons if there are not enough resources available to perform a particular activity then how can we ensure still the activity is happening properly and comfortably so for that those buffers used to be very very useful pros of this methodology was definitely it was uh, resource efficient because used to factor resources as one of the constraints the focus was on end goal because you start by keeping or by having end on mind we used to remove bottlenecks so this benefit was there in case of both cpm and the critical chain because once you put the network diagram you would easily know what are the bottlenecks dependencies etc and that used to certainly help in reducing variations if any because we could then easily address some of those dependencies cons again not suitable for multi project environment if you're working on multiple projects then it's difficult to put it you know or, or create the critical chain and it could also delays the common things so that was another con typically that you would come across and hence the critical chain is certainly not used popularly even in pmp exam you wouldn't have questions on critical chain there are very less chances of having the question even if it is it's going to be at a very high level so this covers about the traditional methodologies we covered about the critical path methodology critical chain methodology and we also covered about put now let's move on to pmi so pmi again i wouldn't say it as a methodology but definitely it's a guide to project management because we have a pmbog guide and it actually breaks down the entire project management into different process there are five different phases that we call it as i would say these are like process groups i wouldn't call it as a phases as such but these are the process groups so starting with initiating so we initiate the project so from there we start initiating planning then we talk about executing and then monitoring and controlling and closing so these process group would be a part of i would say all the phases of the project and there are 49 processes as a part of the pmbok there are total 10 knowledge areas and there are total 5 process groups which i just now mentioned the advantage with pmbok is easy breakdown of project management steps so i would be able to apply the pmbok guide and be able to easily break down the project management into various phases then phases into activities activities into tasks i'll be able to create the work breakdown structure etc so those are the advantages because it's very nicely covered it's a comprehensive approach as i mentioned it's pretty comprehensive there are 49 processes right which will cover all the different knowledge areas right from integration management to communication management how to do human resource how to do time management you know stakeholder management etc so it's very very comprehensive we are going to talk about all these things as a part of this training much in detail we are also going to talk about all these 49 processes as a part of pmp training this is definitely suitable for iterative development environment because once we work in iterative manner we also be able to get periodic feedback from the customers and that's what would certainly help in enhancing the overall you know outcome that you're producing cons will be project governance is around stakeholders so obviously stakeholder involvement is very very critical while working through a pmi guide and treats project as a single entity so again if it is a program then obviously would be working on a multiple projects so applying there we need to certainly scale up now we've just covered the pmi you know what is pmi at a very high level with 49 processes 10 knowledge areas and the five different process groups moving to agile now agile has various methodologies as i mentioned earlier agile is a umbrella of methodologies So as far as agile is concerned what is it really so in agile what we talk about we talk about the continuous integration continuous deployment as a part of the you know software application development as a part of devops so, so some of these capabilities will certainly help in deploying to the customer fast so as a part of agile what do we do typically as you can see on the screen we develop in iterative and incremental fashion and uh, the team of people who work they are cross functional in nature so we don't work in phases but we ensure that we built the features or we built we sort of you know cut down the product in a vertical slicing which actually helps in covering the end to end development of the features right from the ui till the infrastructure element so everything is covered as a part of that all the layers are covered as a part of that 
and the iteration could be just two to four weeks duration as a result of that what actually happens is there is a continuous inspection and adoption that happens within the iteration so we built we test it we deploy it and we take feedback from the customer and then again we go back and we built it so this way what actually happens is that iteratively incrementally we go on building that software which ultimately customer is looking for so there is huge customer engagement and involvement throughout the agile way of working so there are certain agile values and principles that we follow for example if we talk about better interactions within the team members as well as between the teams as well as with customers etc customer is also involved into project and customer is given a role called as product owner and that's how customer is formally engaged as a part of agile project and once you decide to go agile then you could decide to implement for example scrum as one of the methodologies which we'll talk about very soon there are certainly few benefits of agile here agile is more transparent because customer is involved into the project into day-to-day -day activities and that is in a way good so customer would know overall the progress of the project stakeholder involvement is very high because we have got demos happening with the stakeholder within each iteration that means i'm engaging stakeholders on a periodic basis most important benefit of agile is agile delivers value early and on a continuous basis so release of the product features could happen at a very early stage of the product life cycle so that's very very important and it's definitely predictable cost and schedule so from the cost point of view and the schedule point of view we sit with the customer and we kind of come up with the release plan it focus on business value and customers so most important thing is focus on business value and the customers because as i mentioned that one of the reason why we go agile is so that i can deliver better business value to customers which will give competitive advantages to my customers so you must have seen examples of amazon and suppose flipkart in india that the most important thing is delivering change as early as possible so if you do not deliver change early what will happen it's all about capitalizing on the early deployments so if you capitalize on the early deployments you'll be able to earn better return on investment so how we can respond to market better and faster and that is possible by using agile way of working quality is definitely the central focus in agile so a lot of things are done with respect to that there are a few cons as well it's very difficult effort assessment and project progress so sometimes what happens is that when we work in an agile way it's very difficult to estimate when the project is going to end as such you know so because we just go on working until we have got a requirements in the backlog product backlog as we call it as and overall design or overall architecture we never define upfront so it keeps evolving so at times you know people find it difficult in the beginning but as they go on working they would certainly get a lot of benefits out of uh, this way of working now scrum is one of the methodologies within agile so scrum is very very lightweight framework wherein it actually helps us in defining the sprints so sprint is nothing but iteration in scrum so iteration in scrum could be anywhere between one to four weeks and scrum has uh, defined certain lightweight ceremonies or events that we do right from the sprint planning to meeting on a daily basis as a part of the daily stand-ups then we have sprint demos where we actually show the customer what we have built and we take continuous feedback during the demos and then we end the sprint by doing the retrospection so this is what typically happens in that small container of sprint which is just one to four weeks maximum duration so the biggest advantage with uh, scrum way of working is basically we get continuous feedback and the entire scrum framework is built on the three important pillars which we talk about transparency so we keep everything transparent the progress of the project transparent there is very high involvement of the customer then we talk about adaptation so we go on adapting to the changes that are coming in the backlog as well as the changes that are suggested by the customer based on the demonstration that we are doing right so that's very important so transparency adaptation and inspection so we go on inspecting on a regular basis there are so many opportunities that are there as a part of the scrum framework to inspect and adapt so this is one of the example of a methodology there are certain benefits certainly of using scrum so first is of course product quality would be better the reason is that what we built is what customer is looking for it's like you are engaging customer almost on a daily basis so there is a daily interaction that happens with customer quick product releases are possible again during the early stage we get into the planning session 
Now, apart from that, there is definitely higher customer satisfaction when we apply Scrum. It's quite naturally because involvement is much better and progress, visibility and exposure is very, very high again in comparison with the traditional way of working. There are certain cons like no definite scope. So we wouldn't know exactly when are we going to end the product development because the scope keeps evolving. We need experienced team because if everybody's a fresher, then they might struggle because uh, there's a proper governance. There are containers of small duration. So we need a lot of discipline. And for large and complex projects, sometimes unless you have a proper experienced people and proper governance in place, proper process in place, you might not be able to do it. So therefore, typically when we start our agile journey, we always have coaches in the beginning. Moving to the next method under agile is Kanban. So Kanban is again a Japanese word and Kanban is nothing but a sign board. Kanban evolved from the Toyota manufacturing. So we call it as Toyota production system TPS and they used to use Kanban board just to visualize the flow and just by that visualization of the flow of the process. They used to identify bottlenecks. They used to identify dependencies. They used to do daily prioritization. So all these things used to happen and that's what exactly happens in Kanban. Now it was definitely very popular during early days in manufacturing but later it was also picked up as a part of the service industry and therefore you'll find Kanban is very popular even in the service industry as well. So you'll find these kind of a swim lanes as a part of the Kanban board and then we decide the WIP which is called as work in progress limits. So each swim lane will have the WIP limits. For example, there will not be more than two item in progress at any given point in time because you have only three people working or two people working in your team. So that's the WIP limit that you have decided to put likewise. And we also work on certain metric. A lot of focus is there in Kanban in terms of reducing the cycle time, lead time. We use metrics like the cumulative flow diagram, right? We also use metrics like, as I mentioned, the cycle time and we baseline that and we see how we can reduce that. So Kanban is definitely a very, very popular methodology these days within Agile. Sometimes Scrum and Kanban is combined together and we call it as Scrumban and even it's used along with the Scrum as well. There are certain benefits like it actually helps in optimizing the inventory as well as output. So for example, as I mentioned, what we do is basically we increase the throughput by reducing cycle time, by reducing lead time, your throughput. That means how many products, for example, or how many features are you completing within a sprint? Okay, so that's my throughput. So how can I increase that throughput by reducing the cycle time which is required to complete that feature? It certainly helps in minimizing waste and scrap. Again, it based on the lean principles. So a lot of focus is there on waste elimination and that also gives uh, better flexibility because you would have then time to make things more flexible. So it optimizes in a way the flexibility, creativity, productivity. So all these things are really useful. Overall cost will be reduced as a result of that and responsiveness to the customer will go up because you're reducing lead time. That means you're going back to customers early. So that's another benefit. The cons is certainly it's less effective in shared resources situation because if your resources are shared amongst different teams or projects, then it becomes difficult to apply. Variability is not eliminated. So definitely the focus is more on lead time reduction, cycle time reduction. However, variability in the process, certainly for that you would need to then apply a Six Sigma and stabilize the process. But that could be done, in fact, uh, once you come across any such challenges because we talk about continuous improvement and breakdown in Kanban system can lead to shutdown of the entire line. So it's very important that we define the WIP work in progress limits properly. Moving to the next methodology, which is extreme programming. So extreme programming focuses, as the name suggests, a lot of focus is there on engineering practices. And this methodology actually evolved in software and this could also be used in other places, but largely it is used only in software at this point in time. And again, as you can see here, extreme programming is also an intensive development. It is used mainly in gaming industry or where you would find a lot of changes are coming in and very, very dynamic situation. That's where extreme programming could really help you because there are 12 principles and techniques, in fact, that we follow in extreme programming, like continuous integration, like peer programming, continuous feedback loops. So how we can increase the feedback loops, etc. So there are 12 such different techniques that typically we follow. So it definitely has intense focus on engineering practices. And therefore, even if you are applying Scrum or you are applying Kanban, if you apply extreme programming practices, 
it certainly helps in bringing and enhancing better quality of product so therefore i have seen a lot of teams using the xim programming practices as well because focus is very very high on quality software as it's mentioned there as well typically the sprint durations or iteration duration in xim programming is small it is like one week iteration or at the most two weeks not beyond two weeks typically in xim programming and same thing typically that's what we covered as a part of scrum with an iteration also happens so there's going to be a daily meetings happening daily communication happening the team is empowered certainly at the same time the focus is on building the working software and take continuous feedback from the customer and all that put together actually helps in getting the requirements that the customer is looking for because you are continuously getting feedback from the customer there are benefits certainly of working this way one is of course it saves time because it's an intensive development so that means the focus of the whole team is on developing the software so it certainly saves time and cost the simplicity of the code is one of the benefit of this because there is one principle that we follow in xtreme programming which is collective code ownership so everybody owns the code so even if it's written by somebody else still the other person if required could change the code transparent and accountable process so it's very very simple process very very lightweight process and it's transparent everybody know what happens within that iteration continuous feedbacks are there as i said the biggest and the fastest feedback technique that is used in extreme programming is the peer programming so one person is coding the other person is reviewing the code that means immediate feedback you will be getting and that is precisely why the project development is much faster because in extreme programming you would also use the continuous integration and the automated build automated testing so all those engineering techniques cons will be your lack of defect uh, documentation so typically what they do if any defect is found within the iteration it's not logged because it's the team's opportunity to fix that defect if it is within the iteration something which goes beyond that beyond release or beyond iteration then that is locked so therefore the documentation could be a bit low moving to the next methodology which is adaptive project framework so this is certainly based on the pdca cycle of deming which is plan do check and act and this adaptive project framework as you see here is again such a framework wherein the focus is on getting continuous feedbacks so you do planning you execute your plan you get the feedback so that's where you evaluate and learn and then you adjust your plan and again you start executing so it's again an intensive development wherein the focus is on getting early feedbacks and those early feedbacks actually helps in adapting to the changing environments adapting to the changing requirements or changing expectations of the customers and that's how then we can go back to the market as early as possible so if you are building the minimal marketable features if you use the adaptive project framework that will certainly help you in going back to the market early and launch those minimal marketable features so that we can capitalize on early return on investment there are certain benefits certainly it's flexible and uh, it increases customer satisfaction because there are very short feedback loops and it's adaptive and i'm sure customer would certainly love this methodology because change is one thing that customer always keeps on suggesting us and if we resist change then certainly customer would not happy but in this methodology we accept change and uh, we encourage change so that certainly helps us in even improving the quality of product by ensuring what we are delivering is what my customer is looking for there are some cons like job repetitions so the cycle is very very short so therefore it you may get that feeling there's less control over project from the governance point of view it's not as good as scrum for example hence the control over project could be a bit low not suited for large and complex projects but if there are smaller projects that's where we could use the adaptive methodology like rapid application development was one of the examples during early 90s it was um, introduced wherein a lot of focus was on doing the prototyping so they used to do prototypes get feedback and enhance on that so this covers uh, all the methodologies within agile now we are moving to the next category which is change management so very quickly we'll go through these couple of uh, examples are there under change management one is event change management as a part of event change management as you can see here this methodology actually helps in identifying the event chain that can affect the project outcome so that means this methodology actually focuses on risk identification right so i don't know if you heard of but uh, there is one such a technique that is used very popularly in project management and we are going to cover as a part of this training as well later 
which is called as Monte Carlo analysis. So as a part of Monte Carlo analysis, which is a part of the event change methodology, we identify uncertainties at a very early stage in the project and we kind of simulate the whole thing. So when we are doing the planning, we are trying to simulate what kind of risks might come with respect to getting the material for the project, getting the resources on the project or in terms of uncertainties in terms of scope. So based on these kind of events, you know, if tomorrow we start working on the project and suddenly we have lack of resources. So how would that affect the project? So Monte Carlo analysis actually does the quantitative analysis based on some of these events uncertain events that we might face on the project and that actually helps us in dealing with such events effectively. So we create these chain of events and we put it sequentially. We understand its impact. We simulate these events in order to understand its impact effectively and all these things put together helps us in managing uncertainties and eradicate those uncertainties effectively. So for example, if lack of resources would have a huge impact on the delivery of this project, then I would ensure that I have some mitigation plan if tomorrow if my resources leaves the project or I might not get enough resources available for working on a certain technology, etc then I may like to engage certain contract resources very quickly. So I would have some arrangement for that. I need to do some representation in the form of event chain methodology. Benefits of this method is certainly it's event based resource allocation. So wherever there is high risk, that's where you put more resources. Risk mitigation is the main objective as we've saw one of the technique of Monte Carlo provides visualization to the chain of events. So if I know the chain of events, if lack of resources, how it would lead to the delay in the project deliverables. So if I create those chain of events, then I would be able to visualize the flow better manner and I would be able to then come up with the mitigation plan effectively. It enables the use of quantitative analysis models. So Monte Carlo is one of the example that I mentioned and more realistic projects. So I think we'll be in a better control of the projects if we use some of these uh, methodologies. Cons will be task repetitions and leads to loss of opportunities. Sometimes what happens is if you are just eradicating the risks completely, we're also eradicating the opportunities with that. So therefore, you know, at times you may miss on the opportunities as well. Under change management, the another method was extreme project management. So as name itself says, here we are talking about the extreme project management that means again a methodology where we can get a continuous feedback we can develop something by using a very intense methodologies intense techniques and uh, this is completely open and elastic in the form that wherever there is uncertainty so for example we talk about uncertainty in the form of requirements uncertainty in the form of technology so for example we are working on this project wherein this project was about moving the entire application on cloud. Now, why it was uncertain? Because while moving the application on cloud, the application requirements were also going to change because at the same time, the business introduced certain changes in that application. So while application is undergoing change, it's also getting migrated to a new platform altogether. So uncertainties were very, very high about this. So that's where the extreme project management kind of methods actually be very useful because we can certainly take care of some of those uncertainties by using this methodology. So as you can see here, so there are various aspects right from the scope phase till the closure phase. So we have planning, we have got actual implementation and launch and we have a continuous monitoring. And most importantly, all these things happen in a very, very short durations. And that actually helps in executing the activities quickly and getting the continuous feedbacks and improving upon them and take care of those uncertainties effectively. So extreme project management would certainly be able to speed up the work and because it's a trial and error approach because we do a lot of experimentation here. We do a lot of trials here. We learn a lot. You know, it's truly an empirical method you would say self-correcting process. So again, we can enhance based on what we learn in the previous iterations and well-defined scope and objectives. We try to define it at least for the iterations in the beginning itself. Cons are there highly complex project needs, people-driven projects, frequent changes. So that's where it is applicable. But again, this is because it's intensive. So sometimes what happens is that you need right set of people working on this kind of methodologies. Otherwise, it's very difficult to really execute or, or manage. 
Okay, so that covers the change management methods. So this is where we covered about the event chain management and we also covered about the extreme project management. Let's talk about quickly the process based ones. The lean. Lean, I'm sure you must have heard about. Lean is all about identifying and eliminating wests. So typically, lean has categorized wests into different categories. So for example, inventory is one of the wests. So if you are, it could be like the number of lines of code that you have written, if it's a software application. So if the work is going to happen with 50 lines of code, why have you written 80 lines of code? So that's 30 lines is completely a waste. So can we identify that? Can we do refactoring to find out what are those lines and can we eliminate that without, of course, changing the behavior of the program for which it is written? So that is just one example. So waste could be inventory, waste could be waiting. So you're waiting for the work to be assigned. So that's a complete waste. So, for example, you are working on a documentation and that's unnecessary documentation that you're creating. It's not going to be referred to by anybody. So why are we creating the document then? So that is definitely a waste. So it could be over processing. You're processing something more than it is required. So certainly that is also a waste. So lean also has certain principles to follow. So lean not only focuses on identifying and eliminating anything which is not adding value but also it focuses on certain principles. So for example, decide as late as possible or amplify learning. I'm just giving you some example. We are going to see some of these methodologies in detail as we go ahead. In Lean, there is a lot of focus on continuous learning and we not only learn, but also we share knowledge with others and we learn from others as well. So hence, Lean certainly helps in reducing cost, improving the productivity and a lot of focus is there on the outcome that we're producing. So with lean approach, there is certainly a greater control over project because a lot of focus is there on only value added tasks because we create something called as value stream map. So entire flow of value delivery is what is plotted and it's visualized so that we can focus on only value added tasks. It's continuous quality improvement as we go on challenging each and every activity that we perform and we see to it that it's improved. So certainly from quality point of view, Defect identification happens very early. So for example, one of the metric we could follow is shift left score. So are we identifying defects at a very early phase in the life cycle of the project? If we identify late, obviously there will be huge impact and cost will also be more. But if you identify during the design or during you know the requirement itself, it will be very easy to manage prevents overproduction. So anything which is beyond like as I mentioned some documents. If it is not required and still you're producing, it's a waste. Some of the cons could be it's time consuming because a lot of focus is required on that. A lot of stakeholder involvement is there as well. And teamwork affects the productivity directly. So the whole point is that if you don't know how to do it properly, there has to be a proper coaching that has to happen in the beginning. Otherwise, that might affect your productivity. Six Sigma is another methodology. So this is a statistical methodology. And in Six Sigma, what do we do? We basically identify a problems and we try to solve that problem by applying the various statistical tools and uh, we measure that problem. So as you can see here, there is a method under Six Sigma that we follow. It's called as DMAIC. So we have got define, measure, analyze, improve and control. So we define a problem. So for example, the problem is to reduce the average call handling time by 10%. So that's a problem that you define by the end of next three months or four months, whatever you define. Then you start measuring the average handling time. So what is the current average handling time? You try to baseline the, the data by using tools and some statistical tools you could use to do that. You gather all the data, you baseline it. Then you also try to do, for example, Pareto charts or certain control charts. So all these data analysis tools that you apply start analyzing it and once you identify the root cause why the average call handling time is very high so what are those 20 percent reasons due to which i'm getting 80 percent of the problem so then you try to improve that by applying certain solutions so the biggest advantage with this approach is that we'll be able to directly hit the root cause of the problem and because i'm hitting the root cause i'll get better results and next step is control so we have to control those results so then i apply the solution I again measure whether my average handling time has now been improved. If it's not, again, I have to you know, follow the same steps. If it is yes, then I have to control those results. It could be by putting in the necessary processes in place, right? Or it could be by modifying the existing processes. There are certain benefits 
first is of course it gives a lot of improvement benefits and as a result of that obviously there is a better customer loyalty it reduces the cycle time again efficiency gains would be there as well and strategic planning it could also help in strategic planning so all these are some of the benefits there are certain cons like it certainly needs people with experience and for example people who are master black belt or black belts or green belts so to perform those improvement projects and real time barriers so sometimes there could be real time barriers a lot of political aspects are also there while working on the improvement projects this could turn out to be expensive because you are putting in a lot of efforts in the beginning and you need different approaches to the different problems so we can't say one size fits all approach we need right set of people with right thinking and knowledge the another methodology is lean six sigma this is where we combine the statistical approach and the approach wherein we talk about identifying and eliminating anything which is waste so both the things put together certainly gives you much better results as a result of that we'll be able to increase the profit when we are applying lean and six sigma both that means you will be able to work with better efficiency better productivity so cost will be decreased profit will be increased effectiveness will be much better there are certain cons like no defined strategy and sustainability risks it's very difficult to take care of that but i have also seen companies having this reengineering programs and as part of the reengineering programs they introduce lean and six sigma and they improve the existing processes which is good if that is something which is there in place already so this covers the process based methodologies lean six sigma and lean six sigma moving to the last part which is about the prince2 so again prince2 is something which is effective way or the guidance to manage the project and prince2 again stands for the project in control environment so you perform project in a controlled environment as a result of which you will be able to break down the projects into most easily manageable components and phases and that actually helps in effectively manage the projects in a controlled environment and like as we have a pimbok similarly we have got prince2 with 44 processes so that means uh, this is one such a framework which will give you structured processes while performing the project management activities like directing managing delivering etc and the phases like pre project initiating stage right delivery stage final delivery stage etc so it's a very very structured approach of managing projects very popular in uk and it's also used since many years by the uk government projects and it has been also getting popular even in the private industries in the private organizations there are certain benefits there is a lot of focus on business case driven so as a result of which we'll be able to understand what's going to give benefit what's not going to give benefit so very clearly we'll be able to calculate the return on investment as a result of it quality focus is definitely very high also risk identification and addressing the risk happens in a very structured manner and uh, change control processes are in place so it's easy and effective to manage the change as a part of the entire project management activities cons could be lot of parallel analysis happens as a result of that there are 44 processes so you may get into the situation of you know paralysis by analysis sort of thing it requires to produce numerous products so as we see there are lots of phases there are lots of processes so as a result of there there are various uh, outcomes that you go on getting by using those so sometimes if you do not have proper knowledge of this you will find it bit uh, difficult to apply so you need to have proper knowledge so there are certifications for prince to foundation as well as the uh, expert level certifications and then moving on to the last one which is a uh, prism so prism is again it's focused on principles and mainly it is used for sustainable project management methodologies so there is also a book called as sustainable project management methodology so this is one of the popular selling books and prism is mainly used for the sustainable projects so you'll find where there is a impact on social environmental that's where it is used it's one such a methodology where the risk identification happens very structured manner and those risks are really being taken care of properly as well as you can see here the prism is certainly used in the projects for the sustainable development construction infrastructure and where we provide the consulting implementation upgrade and migration operation and support so these are some of the examples of the projects where the prism could be used so definitely a whole set of different knowledge areas under prism there are certain principles that we follow under prism and all that is going to be there as a part of the prism as a methodology 
and all that is also explained as a part of the knowledge areas under prism so largely it is used for the environmental social related impact projects from the sustainability point of view there are some benefits like it's eco-friendly so as i mentioned so if there is any environmental impact project social impact project that's where it is used where the objective is to improve the sustainability it improves efficiency and effectiveness because it's a set methodology it can't work in isolation so if you see the methodology because we will touch upon it in the training and then you would realize that how methodology works and as i mentioned there are certain principles so one of the con could be you have to stick to the principle you know to get it right so that's definitely the requirement so this covers everything in terms of the methodologies including some of the other methods like prism etc now it's time for us to get into the other point which is about when to use pm methodologies you must have this question because there are so many of them let's quickly touch upon when to use some of these methodologies so first point is about organizational reputation is at stake because many times it happens that if the organization is not taking structured approach to manage project the effectiveness of the project is going to be hampered as a result of which the reputation might get affected so that's where it's important to use the methodology so for example if you're working on some sustainable projects if you apply prism then certainly it will help you in getting better results relevance to company's future objectives so if you find something which is going to deliver you better results in terms of the future objectives then certainly you can think of using some of these methodologies so for example the objective of the company is to save costs so i'm sure if you apply lean and six sigma it will actually help you in undertaking a lot of projects the small improvement projects which will lead to saving the cost as a result of resources as a result of various materials that are being used in the organization so depending upon the future objectives it could be high risk and uncertainty factors so wherever you come across a project where there are high risk and uncertainties that's where methodology is very very useful because you need to decide the approach otherwise you can't get it right i gave you this example of moving on cloud at the same time changes in the same application so that was like a high risk and uncertainty project and wherein we have to apply some methodology interrelatedness among the project risks so if the project risks are interrelated so we need to again apply the approach in the form of methodology which will be be able to effectively address the risks so for example so we saw here the event chain methodologies so very useful to identify the chain of events which will lead to the higher risks and monte carlo analysis is another technique within which we use efforts magnitude is very high so you are putting in lots of efforts and if you do not put these efforts in a organized in a structured manner using a methodology you would not know where are you heading so it's very important again from that point of view and so wherever there is uncertainty unfamiliarity the methodology certainly helps because methodologies will give you a lot of things in terms of techniques procedures rules so all of that will come out of the methodology now you must have a question how to choose a right methodology because we have so many of them so first is of course evaluate your project so starting with the first one which is evaluate your project then your team your organization the tools that you're using and lastly stakeholders so while choosing the methodology you need to take into consider lot of other aspects like project team organization tools and stakeholders so let's understand this perspective so starting with the projects so when you're working on a project how would you choose the right methodology there are various things right under project that we work about one is of course financial budget so what's your budget so based that's also very very useful your timelines provided size and complexity of the project project type and industry stakeholders expectations so for example if you are working in a research and development industry then obviously you have to choose a methodology which is more relevant to it if you are working in a it industry i'm sure agile and the devops we have working will certainly give you better stakeholder expectations as well as will be able to support you with wherever there is less time to market and that's where the timelines come into picture so if there is less time to market that means i have to respond to the market as quickly as possible otherwise i will lose the business what's the budget allocated to the project so do i have got enough money to put resources enough money to put the governance mechanism in place so all those things are going to really affect size and complexity of the project so again if it is a smaller project 
if it is manageable project so that's where i would then apply few methodologies if it is a complex project then probably i need to think something else if it is a sustainable project then i need to apply a prism is one of the example as we saw so the whole point is we have to take into consideration within the project some of these points during evaluation from the team point of view we also take into consideration experience of team members so do we have people like we saw one other thing if everybody is new it's very difficult for them to apply agile way of working right but if we have mixed set of people we have got few experienced people few new people then also we can certainly apply agile projects there training for projects do we have enough training for the project so if you're working on banking projects and if you don't have know enough uh, domain knowledge you would be not be able to understand the banking terms and you know the various things that are required in terms of processes etc you would not be able to effectively manage it self organization capabilities of resources again the resources that you are using whether they are having capabilities of self organization or not if not then how can we make sure you know that's in place before we choose any methodology like on agile project we expect team to be self organized in order to reach to that level we need to have people who understand what is self organization team preparedness so is team ready to take on challenges of devops right does team have got enough technology knowledge is team empowered enough to take decisions quickly and move fast so all those things are equally important to check as well geographic location of the team so when you start working on agile for example we need to have people who are co-located at one place so that they can talk to each other they can collaborate faster and they can start delivering better business value but if people are highly distributed then it's a different uh, dynamics altogether so in that case i might need to then use certain tools which will help people to collaborate first so you might like to use tools like jira and confluence wiki and then of course video conferencing that element will also come into picture from the organization point of view again the culture and size of the organization so if it is a complex organization too much of a hierarchy highly bureaucratic then it's very difficult to follow methods like agile organizational hierarchy is another thing that i just mentioned flexibility how much flexibility is embedded into the organization structure so if it is too rigid then it's very difficult as i mentioned banking if you see as a industry the rigidity is bit on a higher side because you're dealing with people's money financials so it's very unlikely that you would have high flexibility over there to try out you know different things because you have to get it tried you can't play around with things so there are certain processes that means we need to follow there available resources and industry what resource do you have and in which industry you work with so as i mentioned if it is a highly distributed team do you have enough resources to collaborate faster if your industry is again the fast moving consumer goods or e-commerce then obviously there the ball game is different i would say if in e-commerce things are more dynamic and you need to respond like there could be deliveries happening almost every minute right like amazon must be delivering into production the code almost every minute because those changes have to be very very dynamic so that's to respond to the customers demands past records and experience what's your past record as an organization so we need to certainly look into that so if you haven't had such experience so you need to then probably take support from the consultants and the coaches so that we can select and choose the right methodology maturity level of the organization so not necessary it's a cmmi maturity level that i'm talking about but in general how mature is the organization so if some organization has 100 years of history then obviously the organization must have had gone through various stages you know and maturity level could be different than the organization which is new introduced just a few years ago from the point of view of tools limitations of tools being used i have seen that there are certain organizations where you can't use free and open source softwares so if foss can't be used then obviously that's a limitation right so you can't really go big bang and then start experimenting using those some of the free and open source softwares compare tools capability with specific methodology so when we talk about comparison of the tools capability with methodologies for example if you are using devops and you can't establish the continuous integration continuous delivery pipeline then it will be difficult for you to launch your code into production in a smooth fashion so that means you don't have that capability in built or maybe you don't have in the budget to put in the right tools etc or if you don't have people with right knowledge to do that 
from stakeholder point of view again we need to understand stakeholder involvement so from methodology point of view again there are certain preferences that people give sometimes to the methodologies but what's important to also look into are some of these factors that we just had gone through so for example if you're working in an agile way and if your stakeholders are not eager or not willing to participate or if business is not willing to participate to work as a product owner then obviously those challenges would come on your way to agile adoption journey requirements of the stakeholders you know so what are the requirements of stakeholders so sometimes stakeholders say that everything is going on smoothly i don't want to move or change anything as such so what's my requirement so sometimes the stakeholder says that i want the application deployment to happen only once in three months or once in a month so if that is my requirement then which methodology would be suitable for me some of these factors could be very useful while deciding the methodologies because there are lots of options to choose out of project management tools there are quite a few of them and i'm not going to specifically promote any tool as such but i would say that tool is just the enabler what's most important is that you know mindset change that mindset shift and choosing the methodology which will certainly help you and once you choose that aligning yourself principally to that methodology is very important so if it is prism then understand the principles of prism if it is agile understand the values of agile and the principles of agile if it is um, pimbok then understand those processes and no knowledge areas etc and try to align your thought process to that that is going to give you much more results of course tools will enable you to implement and enable to you to use those methodologies maybe in a better fashion or bit smoothly because especially if you have challenges like distributed teams if you have challenges like synchronizing across geographies then certainly tools would help you in better integration better synchronization so you could use any of these tools in order to ensure that your methodologies are giving you better results so this covers all the agenda items that we supposed to be talking about as part of today's webinar just to summarize we started by understanding what is a methodology then we had actually covered various methodologies from various categories right from the traditional methodologies to the agile methodologies as well as some other methods as well so not only that we also understood in today's session about how to choose a right methodology what are some of the pros and cons of each of the methodologies and few examples of the tools which you could use on your projects so i hope today's session must have been very useful to you to get a high level overview on the methodologies and tools of course as we go ahead we'll be able to cover some of these methods in more details we'll be able to do a deep dive into most of these methods from the project management from the pmp training point of view thank you very much and i wish you all the best